so before moving here, just like many of us do, we always go to Google and we put in black in said city. It's a cultural thing. It's a thing we do just so we can figure out hair products, makeup, things to do, where to go, whatever. So in my research, I found literally pages and pages of fetish sites. No true information on anything in Hungary. So I yelled to my husband, I'm like, where are you taking me? And he was like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Hey everyone, welcome to Flourish in the Foreign, a podcast that celebrates, elevates, and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad while exploring living abroad as a pathway to wellness. I'm your host, Christine Job, a Black American business strategist and podcaster based in Barcelona. I went from burnt out in the States to thriving abroad, and I want you to do so as well. As a business strategist, I help Black women and women of color leverage their talents and their expertise into viable and sustainable online businesses, businesses that make them professionally fulfilled and financially abundant. I help my incredibly ambitious and competent and brilliant clients utilize their magic in the pursuit of their own dreams. I take my clients through my signature 12-week sprint in which we go from ideation to purpose-driven business and sales. If you are interested in building a business abroad and taking your talents and your expertise and really utilizing them in the pursuit of your own dreams, in the pursuit of your own life vision, get at me. Go to the website www.flourishintheforeign.com slash resources and get my free build a business abroad guide and then go ahead and check out all the many ways that we can work together from helping you with moving abroad questions to helping you launch the business of your dreams. You can find out all of that information at www.flourishintheforeign.com. Flourish in the Foreign is a labor of love, but y'all know it. It's labor, nonetheless. And that is why I ask all of you to please support this beautiful Black woman podcast. You can support Flourish in the Foreign by becoming a Patreon member at www.patreon.com slash flourishforeign where I have an amazing library of articles all about moving abroad, thriving abroad from all around the world. So check that out and other resources exclusively for our Patreons. You can buy me a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash flourish foreign. You can cash out the podcast at dollar sign flourish foreign. You can purchase a piece of sorely needed podcast production equipment via our Amazon wish list, which you can find at www.flourishintheforeign.com slash support. And as always, make sure that you rate and review this podcast. It is so important and share it amongst all of your friends and your family and on social media. Tag Flourish in the Foreign at Flourish Foreign and I'll be sure to repost. The Digital Nomads Beyond 50 Summit, taking place June 22nd through June 24th, has over 20 panelists and is covering over 25 topics. And it is a virtual event of information and inspiration for those in their late 40s and beyond who are aspiring to have a location-independent life. I'm looking forward to being a panelist where I'll be talking about how you can leverage your talents and your skills into a viable and sustainable online business. And you can learn from other experts who will share their experiences and can let you know all about your many, many options on making your location-independent dreams come true. 
You are ready for this. Register now as an early adopter and get $10 off. 10% of profits will be donated to charitywater.org. Grab your ticket today via my affiliate link. It is at no extra cost to you, but does support this here podcast. You can find that link on the resources page of the website, www.flourishthemaforeign.com slash resources. You can also find the link in the description of this episode and on the show notes page of this episode. See you there. All right, on to the next episode. Today's guest is Star, and Star is an incredible, incredible woman living in Budapest, Hungary. I really enjoyed talking to Star, not only because of her journey of how she got to Hungary, but also all of the community and the resources that she has helped to create for other Black women in Hungary, specifically in Budapest. She is incredible, but I'm going to let her tell you all about it. So my name is Star Session Varga. I live in Budapest, Hungary, and I am 35 years old. So I grew up in the performing arts field as a dancer, and it just led me to begin my traveling experience for competition and moving around to compete. Then from there, when I turned 16, I wanted to kind of make it a professional thing. And as a dancer, you have to start early. So that's where my traveling began because and every summer I was out of town, just practicing my craft and in different cities and exploring that when I was 16, I moved out of my home and went to a performing arts school, which was two hours away from my family. And I was the only one in my family to ever really leave home. From there, I moved to New York City to continue my dance career From there, I moved to Los Angeles to continue my dance career. And then from there, it just traveling was just something that I had to do, love doing. I love seeing new cities. And it was a thing. So I wouldn't say that it was something from childhood, but it was my curiosity of like bettering my myself and being who I wanted to be, which was a dancer. Of course, ultimately, life changes when you get older. And I turned into a journalist. And that also helped me to become a little bit more of that traveling bug and see the world. I asked Star if she had the opportunity to attend university, and if so, if she studied abroad. As a dancer, I didn't want to get a dance degree because I thought I had trained enough. And so I went into university becoming a journalist because I absolutely love to talk. (laughs) So if I could fall back on something, I wanted to fall back on something else just in case there was an injury or anything that could ever happen with my physical body. And I studied in Los Angeles at Cal State University with my journalism degree. And I did not actually study abroad, but I did travel abroad, which was amazing on my summer vacation, going to Europe, going to Spain, going, you know, doing the whole France and all of that. So I absolutely love that. And within that travel period, we stayed at my friend's family home in France and their kids were speaking to me in English, reading the newspaper at the breakfast table. Mind you, they were like seven reading the newspaper in French. And I was just in awe of that. And I was like, I would love that in the future for my family to be multicultural, multilingual, and sitting at the breakfast table, reading, having croissants and reading the French newspaper. I asked Star to walk me through her journey to Budapest. Well, I always had that in the back of my mind that I, oh, I could see myself moving my family, giving them a little culture and seeing the world in a different way. So that always kind of stuck in my mind. And then I ended up marrying a Hungarian guy (laughs) and we met in Los Angeles. And from the moment we started dating, we loved to travel and he wanted to see this place and that place. And we were doing our relationship. So I was like, I'll go with you. Let's go. We ended up having a destination wedding in Hawaii. And in Hawaii, we called the family members that were in Hungary that couldn't make it. And they were like, you have to come visit us next summer, please, please, please. And from there, we were like, it's a deal. We will be there. So the next summer, we planned our summer vacation. We came to Hungary starting first, and we went to the village and met 30 of 
his family members all at once. So it was just like hungry in my face right as I got off the train from Vienna. And it was amazing to see like where he came from and his culture and his background. And so just from that little trip of being here, we finally came into the city and we landed and I was like, I could totally live here in Budapest. There was a hustle and bustle. The trains were moving. The trams were going. People were walking. And I was like, I can do this. A little bit of countryside where you can walk around and be in the fields. And then you hit the city in two, two hours on a train. And you can have this hustle and bustle. Totally something I was interested in. And literally two months later, we moved to Budapest, Hungary on a whim. So we finally got back home to Los Angeles. And we were on a whirlwind European one month vacation. It was so fun. And then my husband's like, we could actually make this a possibility where we're not doing just one big trip a year. We could have a home base. I can reconnect with in my country, with my family, with my language. And we can make Budapest a home base where we can travel to Italy on the weekend. And we were like looking at like $20 hopper flights. And we're like, oh my gosh, like, let's do it. We don't have kids. We're young. And the beautiful thing is he, there was a company here in Hungary that he was interested in working at. So he sent an email, had an interview two weeks later, got the job three weeks later, and then we started packing. It was definitely tough to start selling things, to put it all into a reality of what that would be. We had to sell our cars. We had to switch over mailboxes and cell phones. It was just like a lot of things that you don't think about that had to be taken care of. So it was definitely a tough two months. I wouldn't say it was easy. Had my first yard sale (laughs) and made a little bit of cash to help subsidize the move, which was great. I asked R to describe to me the day of her move, leaving California and landing in Hungary. We ended up leaving two days after the new year. So we had holidays with our families. We got to say goodbye and we started the new job in the new year. And my husband ended up flying out first to secure everything, which was two days before me. And I'm so glad we staggered it that way because there was just so much things that needed to be done. But of course, it's the beginning of the year. So much was closed that returning a cable box was impossible. (laughs) So I'm glad that I stayed a little later to help finish up those little things due to the fact that there was we were moving during a holiday season. But yeah, heading to the airport, I headed to the airport in a tank top living in California in January, had tank top and some jeans on. And I threw a jacket in my bag for the travels landed in London for a layover. Then I flew into Budapest for a two hour flight from London and it was freezing snow and ice. And this was the first time the Budapest river had frozen over in 20 years. And I literally landed and I was like, where did you take me? Like, this is winter. I'm not used to that living in California. So it was definitely a shell shock, but it was pretty cool to be like, in a different season in the same month and in a different country. So I enjoyed it and I embraced it and I was scared at the same time. Your first year of living abroad is unlike any of the other years of living abroad. It just is what it is. So I asked Star to tell me about her first year abroad, the ups, the downs, and how she found apartment in Budapest. So it was... Luckily, because my husband had family, we did a little Google search on apartment. He gave us the link for the best places to find apartments. So literally, we stayed in a hotel for one night. We had an interview with the owner of the apartment we actually still live in till today. That next day, and we got the keys two hours after seeing the apartment. And so this was a very smooth transition. We ended up leaving the hotel early, staying in our furnished flat. And when I tell people that part of the story, they're like, it took me weeks and months to find the perfect spot. And it was just, so we definitely have that whirlwind story where it just all worked out and it was amazing. But from there, it was like, well, if you want to have this apartment, you need this paperwork, that paperwork, this signature, that translation, da, 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 da. 
I quickly realized that Hungary is a country that loves paperwork. And when I say paperwork, it's like you need to have every government office, you need to have that folder. And I was like, where does this paperwork go? And I like, it was just crazy because I'm so used to the digital world of America that I was unable to like slow down and backtrack that this country is just a little bit behind in their ways. And that paper is what they want to prove that you can live here and citizenship and getting my visa and all of that. So that was definitely a shell shock for me was paperwork because I was just so far removed from paper. From there, I mean, honestly, it was the hardest thing was going to the grocery store. I tell people this all the time. Grocery shopping with Google Translate is the hardest, longest chore you can ever do because all you want is Greek yogurt and you can't figure out which one is the Greek yogurt. Or all you want is just things that you that make you feel at home. You want almond milk, but you don't know what brand this is, if it's organic, different things like that. So being able to read the Hungarian labels was definitely hard for me and made a 20 minute grocery shopping experience into like an hour long because I was literally translating word for word. But over time, I got used to it. Language is always an interesting conversation because in some countries, there are multiple official languages. Perhaps you'll be able to speak English or perhaps you already have experience with that language. Like I had some experience with Spanish before I moved to Spain. Now, Star moved to Hungary, where Hungarian is spoken. So I asked her if she's fluent and what it's like learning Hungarian. So luckily, I also moved here with a Hungarian husband. So I definitely leaned on him as a, a crutch to help me get through many things like government paperwork, even ordering at dinner or whatever. But I went out with a friend that I had recently met when my first few months of living here, and I was struggling to order my food. And she literally says to me, what do you want in English? <laughs> like, what would you like? And I was like, oh, I don't have to know Hungarian. I'm like, oh, I would like that. So I was finding that on the Pesh side, because Budapest is split up between the Buddhist side and the Pesh side. And the Pesh side is a little younger, hipper, vibier. And so if you rule of thumb kind of is if they look under 30, they most likely speak English. So I was able to get by a lot when it came to using English, but I moved to this country. I live in this country. I think it's respectful to try to learn the, learn the language. So I use it as much as I can having apps, Duolingo and little things like that. And having my husband, like if I hear things a lot of times, I ask my husband what it is. Cause I'm like, I like the way that sounds. What does that mean? I'm hearing it a lot, but quickly after we moved here, I did get pregnant with my daughter. And I thought I was going to have all this time to study and take classes and it didn't work out that way. So I'm actually learning Hungarian with my daughter, which is like kind of beginner elementary Hungarian. And it's helping me get by a whole lot faster, I think. But living in Budapest, there is an expat bubble and I live in that bubble. And I'm at the playground in the afternoon playing with the kids and hanging out with the moms and we're speaking English. But I like to use my Hungarian as much as possible to order the ice cream or play with the kids, the other kids that speak Hungarian. Star moved to Budapest with her Hungarian husband. So I asked her what it has been like for her meeting the extended Hungarian family. In meeting my husband's family, it was a big rush. And as I told you, I love to be the talker. I love to be the center of attention in a way. And I literally had to sit back and listen and pantomime, like <laughs> play charades. And it was just really difficult, honestly, because I want it to be a part of the conversation and everyone's smiling at me and nodding at me and shoving food in my face because they, all they know how to do is just show me love through food, which is beautiful. But I'm like, I don't want it. <laughs> like, I don't, I've, I've eat, we've been eating all day. So it was very difficult for me to explain how I felt and I wanted to. And it was also difficult for my husband because although he speaks Hungarian, coming back, he left when he was five. So he has like what they call like kitchen Hungarian, like what little words, little sentences he can speak fluently, but there'll be some phrases that he says wrong. 
So he's even improved his Hungarian while being here. Also, he left at five. So reading his Hungarian also had to be improved by moving back here. So with me being like, what did they say? What did they say? What did they say? What's going on? Why is everybody laughing? That's when he was like, he would get frustrated because it was hard for him to be in the conversation and be a translator because he is not a translator. And then we found each other fighting. Like, he's like, I'll tell you tonight. And I'm like, I want to know now. Like, I want to be a part of the conversation now. And then, so anyways, we just had to get over that struggle of being a part. Me just having to sit there smiling and nodding, which is kind of hard and eat, eating the food <laughs> to now when I go back to the village, I can actually pick up what they're talking about. I can't speak it back to them as fast, but I have an overall gist that, okay, they're talking about this family member who was wearing this or, you know, whatever gossips happening around the kitchen table or who cooked that or whatever. So I can pick up what's going on where I don't have to be like, what'd they say? What'd they say? <laughs> so it's an interesting thing to be a part of, but I've learned to embrace it and come hungry so I can just stuff my face. Star has such a lovely daughter who actually made an appearance during our recording of this interview. And so I asked Star what it was like for her having a baby abroad. Well, I never thought that my mother would not be in the delivery room when I had a child. It's just something I always, it wasn't a thought. But when I got pregnant here and realized that she has a job and she has a life and she only has this many weeks off for vacation. That was really hard dealing with that. But for me, it was about research and I'm a researcher. And I think what, the moment you become pregnant or the moment you do something new in your life, like moving to a different country, that you do become like a journalist in a way where you want to know all the information you can possibly have. So I spent a lot of time like on Facebook groups, reaching out to other expat moms and that's how I found the expat mom community here, which is amazing. Although we talk about the most ridiculous things, there's a ton of great information in there that we all want to know and need to know. So it's a great like resource for me and other expat moms that I meet, I always say, to join this group. But it was hard because my journey, I really wanted to be able to understand my medical journey <laughs> in Hungary. And so that meant having an English-speaking doctor. So I was able to find where the expats go. And I had an English speaking doctor, an OBGYN. I got to meet the pediatrician who's English speaking as well, who actually spent some time in America so she can understand my concerns when it came to vaccinations in America versus vaccinations in Hungary, blah, 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 blah. Just little things that I wanted to know and feel comfortable about. I think giving birth was a beautiful experience, but it was also a hard one. Because everyone was speaking English and everyone was telling me the process and we were going through it. But the moment there was a complication during my delivery, everyone literally switched to Hungarian. And from there, just for them to communicate faster, I was okay with it because I understood that something was happening. And But it was definitely scarier to hear people speaking over me in Hungarian in a very harsh way. Because there was beeps were going off, things were wrong, da, da 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 and they were just like, and I was left out of the conversation, and it was about my body and my child in my body. Ultimately, I had a C-section, an emergency C-section, and the baby came out fine, and everyone switched back to English, and it was all good in the hood. But uh, yeah, definitely an experience. If you're an expat mom, what it's like, it's it's nerve wracking, it's scary, it's liberating, it's exciting. And I'm definitely proud to be able to say that I could have done that. So if you have been longtime listeners to the podcast, and even if you haven't, very early on, I believe it was episode two of the podcast, with lovely Deanna, who was based in Hong Kong and also had a child abroad, I had her break down the cost of having a baby in Hong Kong, and all of y'all were shocked. It was incredibly, incredibly affordable in Hong Kong for her. And so I had to ask Star, what was the cost of having a baby in Hungary? I was talking to other expat moms, and when it comes down to doing anything in Hungary, no one goes about it in this. There's not step one, step two, step three, step four. It's literally everyone has starts with step four or three and then go to one. It's like no one has the same path is my point. So even with having a baby in Hungary, 
no one has the exact numbers. I will say that I went all private healthcare, all private doctors, the most expensive way possible. Not because I have it, that's just something that I felt comfortable with being new to a new country is just doing private, private, private. So out of pocket without insurance was $10,000 to deliver a child, which in America with insurance, $10,000 is nothing because having children can be up to like twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, right? For one child. But then there's other moms that ha- went through the local healthcare and they had their child for virtually free. So, and then there's people that are in between who switched back and forth, did a little private, did a little state, did a little whatever. And so then people are at the 5,000 mark. So honestly, it's unfortunate to say there is no exact number or science when it comes to doing anything in Hungary. And I don't understand why that is. Even with getting your driver's license, one person has to go through it this way and another person goes through it this way and no one seems to cross paths with how to even switch over your driver's license, something as simple as that. So it's hard to navigate, but that's why we all just kind of lean on each other and take a deep breath and get through the best way we all can. And now I was curious about healthcare in Hungary. What was the system like? How expensive it was? All of that. So there is the national healthcare here. And you will receive your tie card and everyone gets that unless you are not a citizen. So as of right now, I don't become a citizen until this year. So I don't, I am not covered under the national healthcare. So I have to have healthcare myself. So I usually go to private clinics here where there are English speaking doctors and that is actually double the price. So even for them speaking English at the same hospital. So if you speak Hungarian at this private hospital, it is half the price. But because it is a specialty to speak English and translate all of your transcripts in English, it is double the price. (laughs) So that totally sucks, right? Unless you have insurance and it goes through your insurance and you just don't care because you're already paying your premium. But that's a big thing for expats here is understanding where we stand and what healthcare means for us. Because although I take my daughter, I take her to both, depending on what we need. If she's just having a cold and I know they're just going to prescribe her cough medicine, we go to the free healthcare in our district, right down the street. We're in and out in 15 minutes. There's no wait. They give us a prescription. We go to the pharmacy. So I think it's great. It's a great healthcare system. I know that financially they're struggling in a way, but I think Many people are struggling during this time of COVID, (laughs) but I know that politically wise, we have amazing stadiums and the current healthcare system is struggling. So it's like, where's the money going? But yeah, overall, it's decent. I asked R to describe Hungary's response to COVID-19 and share some of her impressions of Hungary's response. Yeah, I mean, leading up to the lockdown that everyone had on March 12th or something, I was supposed to be in Italy that week. But of course, it got canceled. Thank God. (laughs) Because Italy got hit really hard. And I was going for a blogger travel conference. And I was looking really forward to going to that and being a part of that. But in the end, the moment March 12th hit, schools closed, everything closed, masks were required. And I really appreciate and I really happy to be happy to say that I was in Hungary during this time because I really appreciate the measures that they took to keep us all safe. And with that said, it's very it's really alarming when I hear like, oh, in America, North Carolina, three months into it are just now requiring masks to go to the store. And it's like we were doing that at March 12th. So I'm happy to say that I did COVID, did my lockdown and quarantine style here in Hungary. So I don't know if you guys are tapped in to Hungarian politics. I'll just say from what I have learned and I have seen is that is quite lively to say the least. And a lot of changes have been made in recent years in Hungary. So I asked our if or how Hungary's politics 
affects her day-to-day life. So politics in Budapest are really tricky because our prime minister is often compared to Trump in his values and his ways, like, and in some ways it's like, I understand that you want to keep the Hungarian bloodline pure, but I am here mixing it up with one of your Hungarians. So I get where you're going with that, but that's not how it's going to happen and how it's going to always be. And on the politics wise, I don't like getting into politics. I'm not even going to get into it any further because it's just not really something that I have to worry about unless it comes to immigration, which is another huge thing that he doesn't like immigration, which is just like Trump. Like they are very similar in a lot of ways, but I live in this bubble. I hold that American passport, which is shit right now due to COVID, but I'm always able to, we, and my whole family is always able to go back to America if anything were to happen on my day-to-day life. It's not something I think about. It's not something that I have to worry about. I'm only reading the news due to COVID at this time. And personally right now, it's it hasn't affected me in any way. People ask me this question all the time and I just try to stay out of it and stay in my expat bubble. It's the best. I also wanted to know whether Star felt that the politics of her home country, the United States, ever affects her life abroad. No. Yes, of course it does. Receiving stimulus checks, receiving like all of this stuff still matters to me because I'm still an American citizen. My family's in America, you know, gun violence, you know, moving back to America. It's like, Do I really want my daughter to have not just a fire drill, but also like a mass shooting drill? Like, do I really want to have to deal with these things? And there's Black Lives Matter. Do I want my daughter to have to, do I need to teach her systemic racism at this early age of two years old? Like, it's just too much. So I'm definitely loving my bubble over here where it's, although it's affecting me, it's just like something that I, I get to step away from. But it's unfortunate that all my family is there and they're in the middle of it. So it's a yes and no answer. Like it doesn't bother me, but I have to always be relevant on both sides to just make sure that I'm safe everywhere. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. And if you are, be sure to take a screenshot and tag at Flourish Foreign across your social media and share it with the world. Let everyone know that you are listening. I really appreciate all of your continued support of the podcast. Please consider supporting the podcast via Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Flourish Foreign via Buy Me A Coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash Flourish Foreign via Cash App at dollar sign Flourish Foreign or purchase a piece of production equipment via our Amazon wishlist at www.flourishintheforeign.com slash support. Any amount is greatly, greatly appreciated. To learn more about this episode's guests, be sure to check out their show notes at www.flourishintheforeign.com slash episodes. And if you are looking for resources to help you get, stay, and thrive abroad, be sure to check out the Flourish in the Foreign resource page at www.flourishintheforeign.com slash resources. All right, let's continue the show. I was really curious to know what the cost of living difference was between Los Angeles and Budapest. So the average salary in Hungary is $1,000 a month. So most people, their wages are, if in this $1,000, their rent is usually, depending on their apartment and size, usually people are living in studio flats or whatever, they're spending 350 bucks to 600 euros on or dollars on their flat, which gives them some room for food and also a little bit of play because going to the opera, there are like free to cheap days. There are, you know, great deals. You can like go to the opera, go to the ballet, go do all these great things on like a budget which is beautiful. So I think people have a really amazing way of life here. 
on a small scale budget. For us, coming from Los Angeles to Budapest, it took us a year to understand the value because we're like, oh, a thousand footants, that's three dollars. Like, easy. We'll give we'll, whatever, we'll buy that for a thousand footants. But a thousand footants is like almost as close to like a five dollar bill or a ten dollar bill. Like, that's a lot of money to be throwing at a bagel or something. I'm just bad example or whatever. So a year into it, we were like, okay, a thousand foreigns is a lot of money. Do we really want to spend that? Is that worth it? Kind of a thing. So it was a big shock for us, but we were able to finally understand it because we did move here making American wages. So that was also a jump for us. Most people actually just kind of eat out every day. And in the European lifestyle, you go to the market almost every day or every other day, and you just pick up what you want to eat for the day. Me being the American woman, I go grocery shopping once a week, and I'm the only one creating a line because I have a full cart, but I can't break that habit of mine and or my husband's habit as well. So we like to just go shopping for the week, and then we'll go to the market to pick up whatever is missing throughout, bananas or such. So culturally, that's a little different and probably where we're wasting money and they're saving money because things go bad. I asked Star about getting around and all the transportation options in Budapest. Is public transport readily accessible? Do you need a car? Moving here, you do not need a car living in the city. Now, due to COVID, <laughs> I wish I had a car because everyone's driving to the countryside and da 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 makes it a lot easier. But my monthly pass for the train, the tram, the bus, the Villamos, you can go through any modes of transportation is 35 bucks a month for unlimited. And so I think that's really reasonable and amazing. If you're just going one ride is one Euro. So that's kind of the price points there going around the country. It's great because the train rides are really reasonably cheap. Unfortunately, they're sometimes unreliable, (laughs) But things break down, things happen, but it's an easy way to travel and it's cheap. So from here to Vienna, which is the border, it would cost me like $10, $12 just to get to another country. We went to the lake here, which is about a hour and a half drive away. We took the train and it was about $6 to get to the lake. So... I always think it's a great option for anyone to get out of the city is using the trains. I asked Star to share a little bit about her daughter and her daughter's day-to-day life in Budapest. Every district in Budapest has several playgrounds as well as outdoor space where you can easily access. Across the river from our window is Margaret Island, and it's an entire island of outdoor space. You can go to the singing fountain. There's a Japanese garden. There's several playgrounds. There's huge landscape. There's a water, there's a water park. There's things you can rent to have fun. And even during COVID, we were able to just go over there and do some social distancing and be outside, even living in the city life in these large apartment complexes on top of each other, we were able to escape from our flat and have some outdoor space, which was great. And so even just the commute in the morning, we're not hopping in a car and I'm dropping her off. Like she gets to ride her scooter to school because it's walking distance. And she's like speaking several languages to different kids at school and going back and forth. So And I absolutely love that Budapest as a whole is a family-oriented city. It's literally like this morning, it was like 57 strollers (laughs) on the way to school, hustling and bustling, and she being able to say hi to people that she knows. So it's definitely family-oriented. She's having this like outdoor life, even though we live in a city, which I absolutely love. And I just don't know how much of that she would get commuting in a car from here to there and everywhere. So... I love that. And I love that she gets, I get to baby wear. I get to do things I wouldn't do in America. I wouldn't be baby wearing my child on my back, like a backpack. And we're just hustling, bustling, you know, like going on a tram, going on a bus. Like it's fun. 
It's fun for me. Being in an intercultural, international relationship in marriage has its nuances. So I was curious to know how has moving to Hungary, her husband's home country, affected her marriage? Yeah, I mean, we were one year married, a year and a half before moving here. But within that time, we did a lot of traveling. So we've definitely been able to be like, can, can you believe that we were in Greece and we went to... We went to Spain. We went, we've gone so many places and we've explored different cuisines. And so I feel like our life is a lot more enriched here because we're able to just see and do a lot more. It's definitely made us stronger going through a lot of things together versus like having a ton of family around. Because I'm a family oriented person. I actually love going home and being, I'm usually the weird person that flies all the way home like three to four times a year. That is a given on any given year, doesn't matter how far I've lived or anything like that. But it's hard. It's, it's interesting, like having a baby with me and him together, like me and him making decisions together in a different country. And it's all different. It's, it's, even though it's, this is his mother country, this is very much hard for him too. He's definitely was culture shocked moving back here. Like he experienced it probably a lot more than I did, but I feel like as a whole, like we're able to communicate. We're able to have a more enriched life on an $8 train ride to the lake. Like it's just so easy to live our life in like a cheaper manner, like that we're not stressed about bills and things like that, that we're just literally getting to live life. Like, Oh, where are we going to go this weekend? Let's do that. It's going to cost us much. So cheap. Let's go. So I definitely think our lives are very enriched here. So Star left her family in the United States to move to Budapest, has had a child abroad. So I wanted to know, what does her family think about her living in Hungary, raising her daughter in Hungary? So when we moved to Hungary, my husband and I, we were like, oh, we're just going to go for a year. We were lying. We knew we were going to go longer than a year, but it was just to get them over the hurdle. <laughs> so after the year, they're like, when are you coming back? We're like, oh, we were never coming back after a year. <laughs> so for the year, they were like, yeah, go for it. You guys are young. The moment I had my child, the whole conversation switched to we want to be near our grandchildren. We want to be near our, our niece, my uncle, my dad. Everyone is just like, we want, it's all about the child. So once the child was born, it was all about, we want to see the child. We want to be, we want to be, grow up and be a part of her life. And I totally understand that. But there were so many things that, so many positives of living here, not having to work a million hours a day to live this amazing life in America that everyone has sitting in traffic. Like it just wasn't this rat race that we got to slow down living this European lifestyle and going to the market and bringing a basket to put your fruits and veggies in. Like, it's just like a different way of living. And I absolutely love it. Although I'm like missing certain foods or Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or just things being a lot easier and certain ways things are a lot easier here as well. So it's hard for them and it's, you know, we wanted to plan to move back, then COVID happened. And right now it just makes the most sense to stay here. And though we are always getting teased to come back and be closer to family and that we do want our ch children to grow up and be close to family, it's just def definitely a give and take and it's hard and it's not easy. And the phone calls are hard and the <laughs> persuasion is hard and it's stressful. But overall, like we're thriving here and I would have to say my husband's happier. I'm happier. We're not as stressed. And my kid gets to live a different life and has all this culture and lives, living in a bilingual household. I, I can only see the positives right now. Who knows if we'll stay here forever, but right now we're happy. Star is on the pathway to gaining Hungarian citizenship. And so I asked her to describe what that process is like. As I said before, in Hungary, there's no one way to do anything. <laughs> so I've asked my girlfriend. She's also married to a Hungarian with a child. And she says she can't, she's not eligible until after year five. And I was like, well, my lawyer told me after year three. So 
Although I say after year three, I'm eligible. I could, who knows, until I go to that office and they tell me I'm missing 24 more pieces of paper or plus one more year. But as the story goes, after when you're married to a Hungarian and your, your marriage is registered in the embassy, then you were eligible after three years of living in the country to receive your Hungarian passport and citizenship, which makes me an EU citizen, which is something that I want because my husband and any future children that I have and my daughter will always be dual citizens. I'm the only one that's just an American citizen with a residence card. So I'm looking forward to having that because I don't want to be the only one in the family that doesn't have it. With this, because I'm married, I don't have to take the exam, which is um, spoken and written Hungarian. And so I'm glad I get to (laughs) skip that. But yeah, it's just literally all the same paperwork I needed for my residence card that whole folder. It's like literally a book and take that in, fill out the application and hopefully I'm good to go. I asked our, what it is like being black in Budapest and her answer reveals why she decided to create black girl in Budapest. So before moving here, just like many of us do, we always go to Google and we put in black in said city. It's a cultural thing. It's a thing we do just so we can figure out hair products, makeup, things to do, where to go, whatever. So in my research, I found literally pages and pages of fetish sites. No true information on anything in Hungary. So I yelled to my husband, I'm like, where are you taking me? And he was like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. So leaving my career behind and also continuing my journalist background, I decided to start a blog called Black Girl in Budapest. So before I moved, I knew I was going to create this journey for other people because I knew I wasn't the only Black girl. and I knew I wasn't the only Black girl coming and looking up in Google Black in said city, whatever. So... I started this community the year I moved here, three months in, I started, you know, blogging about it. And after three, almost four years, I can definitely say that we have a small community. I love it because it's multicultural, just because we're black, we're from all over the world and it's beautiful. And I love learning about everybody's culture. The black girls from the UK, from Africa, from Italy, like we're everywhere. And so it's just really cool to learn about other people's cultures and backgrounds. And I have a monthly meetup that I do with the girls and we meet up, we go out, we have fun. We talk about our our problems. We talk about our good times. We talk about anything that comes up, hair products, where do you get your, the beads for your braids or this kind of makeup or shea moisture. So we, I love doing the meetups because I get to see the girls and meet them. But we also have a WhatsApp group that's only for the people who actually live here. And it's our safe space. It's what we call it. And we literally can talk about anything there, ask questions, and it's an open forum. So It's great. I love that there's a huge community of expats that are actually students that are studying in the university. We just, we have some doctors that just graduated, some dentists that just graduated, lawyers. So we are out here making a name for ourselves and I love it. I wanted to know more about Star's experience being a black woman in Hungary. So my story is when you come to Hungary, you do feel like the only one, right? Even if you're Asian, Indian. And I have to say that Hungary is a country that has values and morals and it, America's history is not Hungary's history. So all of these negative things are like, why is she staring at me? I think it's more of curiosity personally versus a negative look. And you can tell the difference between a curious look and a negative look, right? So I always find that, but I definitely get treated different with my mixed baby. Everyone is like, oh, she's so cute and talkative to me. And where are you from? And da, 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 da. Once I drop my daughter off at school, no one looks my way. <laughs> like, <laughs> so no one really cares that much. 
But I do have to say having this WhatsApp group, I there are we do have our moments where we're like, can you believe this guy touched my butt today? Or I'm saying like this guy winked at me and called me, hey, what up, Africa, Cuba, da, 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 da. And so and it just feels weird. And it's great that we can like touch base with each other and talk about these things. And so, yes, there is the bad side, but I think that's in every country. And I think that's all over the world. So there's racism everywhere. But I think overall, because Hungary has its, its beautiful, long, rich culture of just Hungarians, that we're just now seeing more immigrants in this country and people from all over the world, that they are seeing more curiosity versus hate. Not to say that there isn't hate all over the world. So overall, I think it's a great place to be. I'm always a champion for people moving, exploring it, seeing it and living it for themselves. But if you ask everybody, everyone's going to have a different response to that question. I was curious to know if hair care and skin care products that we as Black women require are available in Hungary. I put together a list of Black-owned businesses here in Budapest, which I'm proud that there is over 40 on the list, and it is amazing. With this list, there are uh, hair salons where you can go to a barber shop, where you can get your hair products. We have bakers in the group. We have, what is it called? Seamstress and people who make clothes. And it's just, it's great. It's a wide range of, of people here in Hungary that are owning businesses. So it took, literally, we had to go to the Indian shop to get our hair products or the Asian shop to get our hair products because they were importing it for us. But now we have a Black-owned business who is also importing them as well. So if she doesn't have it, she can get it for you. So then we have a group called Black Girl Hair in Budapest. There's girls that just do braids from their home. The African girls, the Caribbean girls, they could just do them from their home and they'll put your braid, your box braids in for you and you just, they'll come to your house. So it's not like super easy and simple as it is in America where you just Google whatever. It's all about a recommendation and it's all about just, I want to get this style of hair. Who does it? And someone in the group will say, I do it. Or this girl can do it. I want crochet braids. I want a weave. So we're definitely a community and I'm so glad that we've started this community that we can all reach out to each other. Cause when I got here, I was literally flying home to go get my weave in like flying all the way back to America every three months to get a fresh weave. So now I'm glad that I can just go down the street. Star created black girl in Budapest just as a way for her to connect and create community and really share about her experience living in Budapest. And now she has made it into a full-fledged business. So Black Girl in Budapest started off as a blog. It's just a journey of my life, seeing things in the city, going to all the monuments. And so from there, it turned into a whole lot more where people were asking me questions about becoming an expat. So I have expat services where I help you. We can get on the phone call. I can answer any questions. So people reach out for me in that capacity on helping them get connected with the right people, looking for a realtor, a school for their child. And sometimes it's just to ask, how is it being Black in Budapest? What are the problems? So I'm always open and willing to have a conversation. So there's always that service that I provide. And then the tourists are always coming in and they're just looking for, what do you do for the weekend? So I have a book coming out. It's for the tourists. It's called uh, Black Girl's Guide to Budapest. And I'm really excited. I have delayed the launch, but you can get on the wait list. I delayed the launch due to COVID and I can't wait to launch this. And it has a three-day trip guide planner in it, tips and tricks on saving money and how to get around and different things like that. So I can't wait for that to launch, but you can head over to my website and get on the wait list and get the book once it comes out, as well as, yeah, just doing the the monthly community events where we meet up and do karaoke and things like that. So for tourists, for expats, and definitely for moms, because I became a mom in Budapest and I can definitely help with that journey because it is very hard to 
figure out where the dance camp is or the the cheerleading camp or whatever you're looking for. And I'm tapped into so many communities at this point that I can always help out. Wait, there's cheerleading camp in Hungary? Yes, and there's a black cheerleading coach. He's amazing. I'm telling you, you have to find them. But I found them. I found them for everybody. So there's cheerleading, there's dancing, there's soccer, there's there's even football, American football, if you want it. So yeah, it's all about being tapped in. As a fellow entrepreneur, I'm always curious to learn about how easy or how difficult it is to be an entrepreneur as a foreigner in countries. What are the regulations? What are the requirements? How long does it take? So I asked Star how she has built her business abroad. So yes, like in America, there's the LLC. You have to incorporate your, or whatever you decide to do, you have to incorporate your company. Everything I do is as if I'm in America. So it was just the easiest way for me. So everything gets paid to my American accounts. It was just the easiest way for me. But in Hungary, there is a thing called Kafta, which is a long process with a ton of paperwork where you can do billing and things through your company that way. So that is also in creating this list of Black-owned businesses in Budapest. Some people actually took their name off the list because they're working under the table, which is totally, I support that, like live your best life. But with the Black Lives Matter movement happening, they wanted their name off the list just in case there was backlash on my account, which there was. There was people calling me the N-word, Hungarians calling me the N-word and whatever. So I did have to go through this, like blocking people due to Black Lives Matter and me just being out there promoting us our Black-owned businesses. Me and this lady who has an amazing business, she's an English teacher and she also teaches Hungarian. She's Black. And we're going to teach a course to all the Black-owned businesses on how to incorporate your business here in Hungary, the legal way, the right way, because it seems like the people that were backing out just hadn't gone through that process yet. And we're also just learning. And so they want to go through that process. So I'm really excited to get that going. And I asked her to share some advice for all of you who are thinking about starting travel blogging or getting really serious with your travel blog. I would say find your niche. Every There's a ton of travel bloggers. Tons, right? But there's not a travel blogger in Budapest, right? That's black. That's doing it the way I'm doing it and just finding my niche. And maybe there are, but I just don't know them. But what I'm saying is like finding what really makes what makes sense for you and live in that space because not everyone is right for everyone. I'm not giving it, even though I've been to Paris, I'm not the travel blogger saying travel to Paris. I'm just literally saying, this is how you get from Budapest to Paris and back again on a budget or whatever. So I'm finding my space and I'm finding my niche and I'm talking to that group. And when it comes to monetizing it, you will only over time and consistency find where you can monetize because the things I started off doing three years ago, some of them stuck and some of them didn't. And it's, interesting to see that I have been able to grow and been able to monetize in ways that make sense. And I'm excited for this next chapter because I actually am more clear more than ever. It just only comes from time, effort, and knowledge. So I'm, I'm always researching. Like people are asking me, what's my next book? And literally it's, what do you mean? What's my next blog that I'm reading? Or what's my next article that I'm reading? Because I just always want to have the next knowledge. What's the next iteration of Instagram? Like, I want to know what's next. And if you thrive for that, I think you can only succeed with consistency. Imperfect perfect is the way I live my life. So sometimes it's just put it out there, push publish, press send, and you can only improve it later or if if it needs to be improved. And you will see how that needs to be improved over time. So... I'm all about publish, 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 do the best that you can and live your imperfect, perfect life until you succeed. I asked Star to share some advice for all of you who are thinking about moving abroad. Well, I would say it's not that we lied to our parents that we were coming for a year. We also just didn't know. And if we in in the back in our back pocket, we knew that if we don't like it in a year, we can just come back and pick up where we left off. 
everything's going to be okay. And I think that's the advice is like, you just have to try it and see. Not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone's going to like that you're moving and you may not even like that you moved, but it's something to say that it'll help you grow in a way to be like, but I didn't like this or I didn't like the way I did that. And you just learn from it. And again, you can always go back to your life before exactly how it was. So I definitely say, get out there, try it. And there's nothing wrong with saying I didn't like it and moving back. So all you have to do is try. I asked R to describe to me her definition of wellness and how has living in Budapest changed or influenced her practice and definition of wellness. It's like I've had two lives living here in Hungary, before baby and with baby. (laughs) So cultural wise, Hungary itself lives on a bed of over like a hundred hot springs. So going to the bath and the thermal spas is just a part of life. Like you should be doing this weekly. You should be going weekly to the spa. You should be getting your nails done. It's just like a drop in the bucket, facials, adding eyelashes, like whatever you want. So I feel like it's definitely a part of life and the Hungarian women do it well. Although it might be over the top and it could be a little tacky, they are definitely all getting their hair done, their nails done and living their best life. So I definitely take that on as well. I'm excited to go to the thermal spas tomorrow while my child is in school and take a moment for myself. I try to make Fridays for me as my wellness day. I think it's so important to me to like get ready for the weekend from cleaning the house, cooking, laundry, hustle and bustle to and from school, working from home, managing this, that, and the third, that I make sure I, every Friday, even if it's just going to the dentist, it's something that I do on a Friday. It's just like, it's my wellness day. But in America, I don't know when I had time to do that, <laughs> to be honest. It's just like, I, maybe I would have a nail spa day with a girlfriend, but that was far few in between because it was just the hustle and bustle of get it done, do it fast, go there. So it's definitely uh, been a change here and I, and I like it. I like having my nails done or taking care of myself or doing a mask. Thank you so much, Star. I really enjoyed interviewing you. And if you all want to keep up with Star, you can via social media. So I have my blog called blackgirlinbudapest.com. And you can find me on all social media sites as Facebook and Instagram and YouTube at blackgirlinbudapest. And my name is Star. You can always say hi. I'm always eager to give you tips and tricks on this beautiful city that I call home. And I can't wait to see you all in Budapest. Thank you again, Star. And if you all want to learn more about Star, you can via her show notes page on the website at www.flourishintheforeign.com slash episodes slash star. Thank you again for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast. You can do so via Patreon, buy me a coffee, cash app, or by purchasing a piece of production equipment via our Amazon wishlist. You can find all the links to all the ways you can financially support the podcast at www.flourishintheforeign.com support. Make sure you rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to this podcast. And while you're at it, be sure to head over to the website where you can get more information about getting, staying, and thriving abroad. You can learn more about each of the guests that have been on the podcast. You can see their pictures, you can read their bios, and you can stay in contact with them via their websites and their social media. Be sure to also check out the resources page on the website www.flourishintheforeign.com slash resources to check out some products and services that can help you get, stay, and thrive abroad. As you all know, I am a consultant and I do offer one-on-one calls. So if you have questions about moving abroad, you can book a consultation with me. If you have questions about building a business abroad, you can also book a consultation with me. And if you are really ready to launch your business abroad and take it from idea to purpose-driven business and sales, or perhaps just scale your business to financially support yourself 
while you're abroad, definitely apply for my 12-week sprint program. You can learn more at www.flourishintheforeign.com slash Christine. And that's where you can book in all of your consultations and get all of your questions answered. If you have not grabbed my free Build a Business Abroad guide, what are you doing? Go ahead to the website www.flourishintheforeign.com resources and grab that today. Hey, are you thinking about launching your own podcast or you want to increase your reach of your podcast or monetize your podcast? Well, I highly suggest joining the WOC Insiders membership. It's a membership that has really been helpful for me as I have grown Flourish in the Foreign. There is so many resources there to help you with engagement, marketing, legal, and everything else you need to have a successful podcast. Join WOC Insiders membership today and use my affiliate link, which you can find in the description of this episode on the website, www.flourishintheforeign.com resources. It's at no extra cost to you, but it is another way to support this here podcast. As always, thanks to Zachary Higgs, who produced the music for this podcast. He is an amazingly talented producer, so if you need music for any of your creative endeavors, he is your guy. You can find out all of his information in the show notes. Thank you all so much for supporting this podcast. Thank you so much for believing in the voices and stories of Black women. Please take care of yourselves today and every day. And please remember that it's not about getting abroad. It's not about being abroad. It's about thriving abroad. So go abroad and cultivate a life well lived. See you next time. Bye. On the next episode of Flourish in the Foreign. People should keep in mind Instagram is a lie. The people that post there are vacationers. And that's a huge distinction to keep in mind. They go with the equipment. They go with their time off. They're going to get their content. If you are a digital nomad, you're living somewhere else. You're washing dishes somewhere else. (laughs) So the lifestyle is just different. There may be cool things that you see and do. You know, you make time for that but that is a distinction.